May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. There's something I've noticed in recent years that's either a new trend or it's new to me. In December and January, as the old year is winding down and the new one is beginning, instead of being asked about my New Year's resolutions, I've been asked if I've decided what my word of the year is going to be. The first few times I was asked, I had no idea what the people were talking about, and I was too surprised by the question to find out. Finally, I had someone explain to me what they meant by choosing a word of the year. I don't remember their exact description, so I looked up word of the year and found the following. A word of the year is a single word you choose that can guide you through the year. Defining your personal guiding word is a positive way to anchor your intentions for a new year and can underpin your actions and unify your goals in a more holistic way than singular New Year's resolutions. Now, I've never been really big on making New Year's resolutions. I know myself well enough to know that it's highly likely that I would quickly stray from keeping whatever grand goal I might set for myself. So the idea of taking on an optional, self-imposed opportunity to fail hasn't seemed very appealing. I've had a similar reaction to the idea of a word of the year. If, a, if I set a word of the year for myself, would I even remember it by January the 10th? How can one word make a difference? How does that even work? So as a result, it's been decades since I've made a New Year's resolution and I've never set a word of the year for myself. I will admit, however, that the idea of paying attention to specific words appeals to me. Although I haven't settled on a specific singular word for an annual focus, I have been trying to notice if there are any particular words that catch my attention, if a word or a phrase or an idea keeps showing up. There have been a few that I continue to notice again and again, but there is one that stands out to me in a way that is both an encouragement and an ongoing challenge. And that word for me is courageous. Being courageous or acting bravely in every situation is something I would like to do, but it is certainly something with which I continuously struggle. And when I talk about wanting to be courageous, I'm not talking about battling a wild animal or climbing Mount Everest. Opportunities for the kind of courageousness I'm thinking about happen in our everyday lives. When we wrestle with a difficult decision, when we have the choice to speak up or to stay silent, when we or those we love are facing illness or pain, when presented with challenges and situations that challenge what we think we know to be true. When we become aware of conditions that call us to take action outside of what seems comfortable and easy. 
These common types of circumstances give us ongoing opportunities to respond courageously, but they can also be sources of discouragement when we see our fears and our worries guiding our actions instead. It's so very easy to let our failures and disappointments get us off track, away from doing and being what we want to be. What possible difference can a word of the year make in the face of so many things that lead us to doubt and to stray from the path? Having a word of the year may not be a helpful practice for you, but there is the word with a capital W we have that has been promised to us as a companion on our journey. Jesus, the word made flesh. Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, who lives courageously, who inspires his disciples to courageous action. This is the word that has the power to make a difference in how we live out our lives. We can see this power at work throughout the stories of Scripture. This morning, we hear about the last moments of Stephen. Stephen is a disciple of the risen Jesus, and he has been named with six others by the 12 apostles to a special ministry of service. There had been complaints made that despite the increase in the number of disciples, the poor were being neglected. So Stephen and the others are chosen and specifically commissioned to take care of the needs of the vulnerable. These seven are considered to be the first deacons of the early Christian church. Stephen is described as full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and in addition to focusing his attention on taking care of the practical needs of the community, he does great wonders and signs among the people, and this work draws the negative attention of some of the region's religious leaders who accuse Stephen of blasphemy and sedition and bring him before the religious council to answer the charges made against him. Stephen responds by invoking the stories of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses, and making the charge that it is actually the religious leaders, not Stephen, who are guilty of not following the holy laws that God has handed down. As you can imagine, the leaders do not react kindly to Stephen's accusation. They cover their ears to avoid hearing anything more from Stephen, and they fall upon him and drag him outside of the city where they stone him to death. In this Easter season, it seems jarring to hear this brutal story of the first Christian martyr, a vivid, graphic example of how being a follower of Jesus does not promise the easy, safe, comfortable path that we might want. But I think it is important to remember that being a follower of Jesus calls for us to be courageous, not often to the level that Stephen exemplifies, but courage, rather than comfort, is foundational to being a disciple of Christ. The good news in this is that we are not expected to be courageous all on our own. 
As Stephen speaks the gospel boldly in front of a powerful, hostile group, as he faces the violence and wrath of an angry mob, the Holy Spirit fills him with the strength and peace he needs. It's not his own courage that he draws from in these moments. It is the power of the Holy Spirit working through Stephen that makes it possible for him to speak up, to be an advocate for the poor, the weak, the sick, and the lonely, to remind the religious leaders and all the people of his community about how they are to pay attention to the needs, concerns, and hope of the world even when the message is a message that some people do not want to hear. In this Easter season and far beyond, how are we being called to be courageous followers of Jesus? What opportunities are we being given to step outside of what is comfortable, to make the needs, concerns, and hopes of the wider world a priority, not just with our words, but with our actions. The world desperately needs the followers of Jesus to act like followers of Jesus. I know each one of us has opportunities to act courageously, and most of these opportunities don't demand of us dramatic, dangerous sacrifices. Many of our opportunities for courage could slip past unnoticed if we aren't looking for them. Paying attention, being prayerful and intentional about faithful following is important. This kind of courage looks different for each of us and courageous actions can be dramatic and grand or can be comparatively unremarkable. But there are reasons to rejoice each and every time we find the courage to reach out in love, to step outside of what is comfortable, to follow in the steps of Jesus Christ, who is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus, the Word made flesh. May we all be followers of Jesus courageously living like followers of Jesus, trusting in the power of this word. Amen.